Thank you, Sister Anna. I usually never drink this water. That song was a, took a lot out of me, man. <laughs> Hitting that high note. I, I wanted to lower it more, but if I lowered it, then or the beginning of the song would be like, holy night. And so I try to find that sweet spot. Uh, I was able to hit it, but I don't know. If you guys weren't, don't feel bad. It's a hard song to sing. It's one of the hardest. It's, it's my favorite, like, hands down, it's my favorite Christmas song. Um, and it just, it's, it brings out so much emotion, you know. And today, is, I, I told you guys today that it is Friendship Sunday, but it's, it's also Christmas. In two days, we'll be celebrating Christmas. So it's actually going to be a Christmas message uh, mixed in with a Friendship Sunday message. I hope you guys really uh, are blessed by it. You know, and in it being a Christmas sermon, I'm going to be talking about a lot about that one person that, you know, we talk about in this time of year. His name is Santa Claus. Yes. I'm just kidding. Um, we're talking a lot about Jesus and, and the birth of our Lord Jesus. So I want to, I want you guys, if you have your Bibles, um, turn to Luke chapter two, verses four through twenty. And I, I, I'm gonna, I'll read it aloud. Um, this is the famous, and we all, we've all heard. Even if you get, you're a non-Christian, you probably heard this, you know, on some afternoon Christmas special or something like that. But it talks about the birth of Jesus Christ, and it really tells. The story of the nativity scene of just uh, um, of, of how Jesus came into this world. Um, so I'll read it to you today. Okay. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her first son, firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, cloths, and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the end. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. That would be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, and, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them in, into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which was the Lord, which the Lord has made us made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying they when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherd, shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering that in her heart. And, she, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. And it has been told them. It's a great, it's a great section of the Bible. You know, we, we learn about the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, Luke tells it in such a, it's like, we, we really, it's like a story. You know, he really tells this story. And, it, and it's so dramatic how we, how we receive it. And I told you today that my message was going to be short. It's also going to be a very simple message. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, not just in the way that it's easy to understand, but in the other definition of the word simple. Okay, and I looked up the definition of simple <laughs> in the dictionary, and it says free, free from vanity, modest, free from ostentation, okay, like you know, like just like flashiness or display. A simple outfit, a humble origin, or modest position, a simple farmer. Jesus was born in the simplest way possible. You guys know that? He's the son of God. Okay? Son of God who was, always was. He always was. He like, never did not exist. You guys think that he existed you know, like, within the plans of God? But no, he was always God. Right, right. And he always existed. Before creation, before you and me, before the, the creation of the universe, Jesus was there. Mm-hmm. He was God. And yet he humbled himself. And they call it the greatest humiliation. They call it the greatest humiliation. And so let's take a closer look at how Christ came to earth. Okay? First of all, he came to earth in the simplest, in the, in the simplest form possible. Okay? He was born as a baby. Okay? And nothing gets more simpler than a baby, right? No, they, all they can do is sit there and poop and then just basically you know, eat. You know, they eat and poop. That's all they can do. They're very simple creatures. Not creatures, but they're, they're simple, simple beings. They really can't do anything. They can't feed themselves. They can't, you know, tell, them, tell you what, what they need. He came in the simplest form possible. He didn't come like, you know, in the Terminator, when, when Arnold Schwarzenegger comes, he comes like, like this, like this big shiny light shines around him. He gets up and he's this full-grown man. He's like butt naked, but he's like this full-grown man. He's ready to go and, and do his mission, you know what I mean? But Jesus didn't come like that. He came... As the simplest form possible. He came as a baby. Now he could, you know, like, like, you know, why couldn't he come like the Terminator? But he chose to come as a baby. He also came into the simplest means possible. Meaning Jesus' parents were not rich. Now they were poor. In the book of Leviticus, it talks about three types of animal sacrifices that you can give. Okay. Um, you know, like, you can't just go grab a squirrel or a frog and say, I'm going to sacrifice this. Right? <laughs> Put it on the altar. Done. Thank you, God. No, there were only three types of acceptable sacrifices that God would accept. It says in Leviticus. <laughs> and the sacrifices that were acceptable were the ones from the herd, the flock, and of the air, the birds. And so the ballers, you know, the ones that are like, yeah, you know what? They get, they get it from their herd. Bring a bull, the choice bull, the cow. You know, and then the middle class would get you know, animals from the flock, like the sheep and the goats. And then the poor people... Because, you know, they had to sacrifice too. They were allowed to give birds. You know? Acceptable were turtle doves or pigeons. And we read in, the, in Luke chapter 2, when Joseph and Mary had to present Jesus in, in front of the, in the temple, like all righteous Hebrew kids were supposed to be done. And when it was time for them to give their sacrifice, they, only, they were only able to give two pigeons, two baby turtle doves. So this shows that, you know, that they would, he, his parents weren't ballers. His parents were like, oh, I'm a carpenter. It's not like the carpenters. You know, Joseph was a carpenter. It's not like the carpenters from the, the U.S. where you could put up a duplex and make like $50,000, you know. These were like the poor carpenters. Back in, in Hebrew days, back in the, in, the, in the biblical days of Jesus, you know, the more like labor-intensive stuff you had to do, the more poor you were. It's kind of like Korea. And then the more like, you know, the, the religious stuff, like the, 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 the thinkers, the scribes, the people that had to do with the law, they were the ones that were usually the wealthy ones. And so Jesus was born into the simplest means possible. 
Okay? Into the simplest of conditions. And look at the way he was born. He was born in a manger. A lot of people, a lot of like, you know, even kind of, you know, some people, young people, they think manger means crib. Like, yeah, Jesus was born in a manger. You see him in the crib. It's like, no. You know what a manger is? A manger is like a, do- it's like a, like a, a food bowl for animals. I mean, it's like, like I have a dog, Nugget. It's like Nugget's food dish. I mean, but it's even worse because it's like made out of wood and it's got all the, the, the junk in it and the, the, the cow saliva and the horse is this. And, you know, it, it wasn't, you know, you see it in the nativity scene as this almost looks like a, a crib, but it's not. It was like a manger. The definition of a manger is food dish for animals. You know what I mean, as so he came into the world in the most simplest and in, into the simplest means possible. And, and when Jesus came, you know, when he, when he came, there was no fanfare. You know, nobody, there's no celebrations. Angels weren't celebrating. The people of Israel weren't like having this big feast. You know, only the angels in heaven were celebrating. But on earth, there was no earthly celebra- celebration. As a matter of fact, the people that the angels appeared to were shepherds. Shepherds, back in the days of biblical times, in Jesus' time, were considered one of the lowliest professions that you can have. It was a hard profession. You, you know, if you were a shepherd, you don't, like, clock out at 6 o'clock. Man, you sleep with the sheep. You eat with the sheep. You know, you bathe with the sheep. You bathe when the sheep bathe. You know, like, you do everything with the sheep. So it wasn't this glorified position of shepherd. It, back in Jesus' time, it was the lowliest profession. I'm going to go more into that later. But the people that, that God chose to reveal the coming of the Messiah were just mere shepherds. Mm-hmm. And when Jesus came, he came in the simplest way possible. He came in the humblest way possible. Why? Why did he have to do this? Why didn't he come? Why couldn't he come as a full-grown man? I mean, like Jesus with the beard, long hair, like the Terminator, you know? Why did he have to come as a baby? Why humiliate himself to the point of being a baby? Why, did, why wasn't he brought into a rich family? You know, like maybe uh, uh, the, the high priest, you know, the son of the high priest, or a son of some a lawyer or some kind of you know, rich man that would have influence, would have, would have recognition. You know, this is the son of the, 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 the top religious leaders of Israel, of Jerusalem. You know, like why, why not into one of their families? Why didn't he come? Why did he, why did he have to come in, into a poor family, the son of a carpenter? And why did God the Father announce his coming to just the shepherds? And why not to the, the religious people? Why not to the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the people in the temple, to the high priests? Why not to these, the, the, the greater people? Why to the lowest people, the lowest denominator of people in the, in the, in the, in the, in the people of Israel, the Jewish people? And, and the reason why he humbled himself... Why him being God went through the greatest humiliation and became a man. And not just a man, but a helpless boy, a baby. But not just a baby, but a baby in a poor family. And no one was told about him coming except the lowliest of men, which were shepherds. He went through all this so that he could be the savior to all of us. To all mankind. It says in Galatians 4, verses 4 through 5. But when the fullness of time had come. Jesus sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as son. He had to first be a complete man. Meaning he had to go through all the things that a human goes through. 
No, he couldn't just come as a full-grown man. He had to be born a baby. You know, he had to poop his diaper. He had to grow up, you know, learning to walk, going through puberty, you know, hair growing in strange places. You know, he had to become, you know, grow his beard. He, all of this had to happen because he had to be all man to save all man. You guys get it? He had to be all man to save all, of, all men. You see, he had to be a human to save us. And he had to go through this ultimate humiliation. He became flesh. He became man. He became the, the simplest form possible to save us simple people. And I also mentioned earlier that the, the people that in heaven, the people that heaven chose to reveal this amazing moment to were shepherds. They were mere shepherds. And I don't think you guys fully understand the cultural stigma of what it is to be a shepherd back in Jesus' days. But, you know, they weren't just poor people. They were the lowliest of people. They were the low, rejected people of society. The Jewish people considered tax collectors, the tax collectors, one of the lowest people. And shepherds were down there with them, along with the dung collectors. That's what it says. I read it in, on the Internet. And on a respectable site. During the days of the patriarchs where Abraham and, and Isaac and Jacob, you know, they, they, when they were shepherding, it was actually a noble profession. It said the wealthy sons of Isaac and Jacob tended the flocks. And it was a good thing to herd, herd sheep. But when the Israelites entered into the land of Egypt, they encountered a society that almost despised sheep. Okay, the Israelites considered sheep worthless for food and sacrifice. Their neighboring enemies, the nations around Egypt, no, the Egypts, the, the Egyptians considered them um, worthless of food and sacrifice. And the neighboring enemies of Egypt were all like sheep herders. And so for them, they're like, it's, it, we're above that. You know, that we, you know, we have cattle, we have cow, we have bulls. We're not, you know, not going to deal with these, these, these shepherds and these sheep. So all throughout that time, there was this great, you know, like this, almost like a war between shepherds and farmers. Okay? Why? Because... The shepherds, they need to feed on the, on the ground, and then that really actually kind of messes up the ground. And the, so there's always been like this war between the people that farm and people that, that, uh, that would be shepherds. And after the Israelites settled, in, 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 and in their 400 years in Egypt, their prejudice against sheep and shepherds that began in Egypt started to rub off on the Israelites. It says in Genesis 46:34 that every shepherd is an abomination to the Egyptians. And so it kind of rubbed off on him. And after the, you know, they settled in the promised land, shepherding ceased to hold its prominent position. As the Israelites acquired more farmland, pasturing decreased, shepherding became a menial vocation for the laboring class. And after a while, shepherding not only lost its widespread appeal, but it actually uh, lost, it, it lost its social acceptability. Some shepherds actually kind of, you know, they were, they were the rough, the rough, you know, the, the mean and kind of the bad people. But a lot of them kind of got the stereotype put upon them. They became cruel victims of stereotype. The religious leaders maligned the shepherds. Good name. You know, rabbis banned pasturing uh, and sheep, pasturing sheep and goats in Israel except for desert plains. So you can only have shepherds, but they have to be out in the desert in the, in the, the, the harsh conditions. And these were the shepherds that the angels revealed the coming of the Christ. These socially unacceptable, bottom of the social class men that didn't have a voice in the Hebrew culture. You might be asking, well, what about the three kings? You know, we talk about the three wise men that come. 
you know, they also heard about Jesus. But if you read what happens, they're like magis from the east, meaning they're Gentiles. These are not like Israelites. These are not Jewish people. Okay? And they came from the east. And it says they're magis, so they're like sorcerers. They're divinators. And so basically, these people, to the Israel people of Israel, were the lowest form of people. And so why? Why was the, the announcement of the coming of Christ revealed to such people? Why did the angels only go to the shepherds in the field to reveal this amazing news? Why not the high priest? Why not the scribes? And the answer to this is very simple. For it's not for the righteous people that Jesus came to save. It's to save the lost. It was to save the sinners. It was to save the broken and the rejected. Jesus didn't come to save Pastor Caleb. Okay, this, this got it together, righteous man that preaches the good word. That looks good up here doing it. Jesus came to save Caleb, the drug addict. The one that was stealing money to, to support his drug habit. The one that had to, the one that went around stealing things and, and, and going put in prison. That's, that's the Caleb that Jesus came to save. A few Friendship Sundays ago, we did this thing called Cardboard Testimonies. And it was where the leadership of our church put up testimonies that they had. And one side, they, we wrote down what we were, and we wrote down on the other side what we are now. And I want you guys to, I want to, I'm going to put it up here because it's such a powerful definition of who the people that Jesus came to save. It's not the people in here, you guys are going to see, are not the polished, righteous, holy people that that Jesus came to save. He came to save the lost. And I want to show you some of the lost. These are the leaders of our church. So I want to close with this. Some of you newcomers that are in here today might feel out of place here. Some of you guys might be feeling, well, I need to be better to be a part of a community like this. Like you guys wouldn't fit in here. Like you guys aren't ready. Like you guys have to fix yourself a little bit before coming into this community. People think that they have to clean themselves before they come here. But Jesus doesn't expect you to clean yourself. Because it's impossible. Everyone in that video you just saw were either broken, lost, simple, hurt, rejected, depressed, worldly, confused. And at one point, they were all out of place. And it was for those people that Jesus came to this world. He came to save the lost. When you come to New Philly, I want you guys to know that as God's people, we meet you exactly where you are. You don't have to try to be somebody else that you're not. You are fully accepted and fully loved exactly the way you are. And it's not because New Philly is special, but it's because that's what God sees you as. It doesn't matter where you are, what you're doing, what struggles that you're going through. God is here to meet you today. But not just God, but his community is here. His people are here to meet you today. Jesus came to earth not just for us to have fellowship with him, but he came so that we can have fellowship with each other in his name. You know, and when I look out into the world today, I see 
community as the one thing that people are so hungry for. Uh, they're hungry for belonging. They want to belong to something. Now, I work at a bar. You want to say, what? You work at a bar? I, I'm a cook in, in a restaurant right here called Sharky's. And I, sometimes I sit there and I see people come in and I just see this loneliness and this desire to just be a part of something. This desire to belong to something. I can see their loneliness. I can sense it. I can sense that they hunger for community. And one of the reasons I got so sucked into the drug life in L.A. was because I was longing for a sense of community. I wanted to belong. I wanted to fit in. And, I, and at the cost of my dignity and my livelihood, I immersed myself into that community. And it almost destroyed me. But I was willing to pay the price for that sense of community. Today, God offers you a community that accepts you the way you are. A community that will love you, will encourage you. A community that will sow into you, will invest time into you. A community that will believe in you. And like I said, it's not because we're special. It's because Jesus Christ is here. His love is here. And his heart for you is here. And it was for this community that he came to earth 2,000 years ago. Whatever preconceived notions that you guys may have about the church today, I want you guys to drop them. All the judgment, all the condemnation, the religious spirit, I want you to drop those from your mind. And instead, I want you to set your eyes on Jesus, the Son of God, that humbled himself as a man who came as a baby into this world in the humblest way and lived the humblest life that ultimately performed the greatest act of humility to save us all. And he didn't come to save the self-righteous. He didn't come to save Pastor Caleb and Pastor Mina. But he came to save the sinners. He came to save the lost. He came to save this drug addict and this girl that was running around partying, living promiscuously, He longs to meet you in the place that you are in right now. It says in Mark 2.17, And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need for a physician, but those who are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners. And more than the sinner's prayer, you know, every time that there's a, something evangelistic, there's the sinner's prayer. But more than that, I want you to, you know, what I want to do today is invite you all into a community. I want you guys to invite I want to invite you guys into our community. Because six years ago, a very dark I was mad tanned, lost and lonely and depressed and hurt and sinful man stepped into a church in Seoul. And through the unconditional love of the people there, he was able to find community. He was able to find belonging. And through their love, I was able to find Jesus again. So I offer you this invitation today that there's, and there's no strings attached. There's no hoops that you got to jump through. All you have to do is come out, be yourself, and find yourself in the presence of the one who longs to meet you where you're at. The one that came to meet the shepherds. The one that came to meet the lost. And the people that he enables to love is here to love you as well. I want us to pray. Close your eyes. And I just want to go into a time of short prayer. And I, and I, 
what I want to do is I want to give you a, a new perspective of Jesus Christ. And it's not a Jesus that expects you to do the right thing. And it's not a, a Jesus that expects you to be, to, to, to be holy and, and righteous. Because based on who you are, it's impossible for you to be holy. It's impossible for you to be righteous. And it's, it's to those people Jesus is here. If Jesus was here today, he would not be hanging out in churches. But he'd be hanging out in the bars. He wouldn't be hanging out in religious conferences, but he'd be in the streets with the prostitutes, with the, with the homeless people, with the beggars, with the ones that are the destitutes, the rejected. And I'm not saying that these, these are who you are, but I want, you, I want to give you a new perspective, a fresh perspective of the love of Jesus Christ. He meets you where you're at. Because where you at is exactly where he wants to meet you. And it's by his grace and it's by his love that things happen. It's not based on what you do. All you got to do is just open your heart to him. And so, Father God, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for this Friendship Sunday. And I pray a prayer of blessing over every newcomer and every person in here that has a heart that has the wrong idea of, of your love, that has a wrong idea of who you are, God. And I pray that they will have a fresh perspective of your love, a fresh perspective of why you came to this earth 2,000 years ago, a fresh perspective of, of what, what the, the plans that you had were not to save the righteous, but were to save the lost. We're not to save the holy, but the sinners. And I pray that this perspective Lord, Father, God, will bring your people to you. And I pray that, and today, that the hearts are committed, are committing to this community, God. To, to, the, to the brothers and sisters that you've, that you've blessed and that you've raised up to love and to nurture and to, and to really meet the lost where they are at. So we thank you, Lord. We bless your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.